Yesterday I was out on our street ministry and I was talking with a homeless guy and I told him a story from the gospel and he asked me, well, how do you know that actually happened? And I told him, well, you know, when you're talking with somebody, you can usually tell if they're shooting straight or, or if they're messing with you. And when I read the gospel, I have this sense that it rings true. Like no one's trying to sell me anything. And nowhere is that more true than today's gospel. Jesus says, they will seize you and persecute you. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. We hear that and we think, Lord, you might need to think about who's writing your speeches because your polls are, are being hit hard after that one. I mean, no one wants to hear that their family is going to betray them and that all will hate them if, he follows, if we follow him. But you know something strange? That the moment we take his words seriously, freedom enters our soul. Not anguish, but freedom. And I think the reason is because we spend our lives agonizing over the small stuff. So when he sets us straight about the big stuff, when he speaks to us clearly about how everything's going to wind up, about death and the end of the world and judgment, it puts all the small stuff into perspective. You know, think about what causes you anxiety. What keeps you up at night? Most often, it's, it's not the big stuff. I mean, I'm sure that there are some people here, maybe many people here, who are also carrying really heavy burdens. And I don't mean to minimize that. There are some people who are carrying their cross. But most of us, most of the time, are worried about the small stuff. And, you know, it might be that nagging fear of disappointing your parents or being criticized by a coworker. Maybe it's the fear of being exposed for not being as spiritual as you portray yourself to be. Maybe it's the fear of losing your health, although you're in the prime of life. Well, Jesus wants to set us free from our anxiety, and he does it in a surprising way. He doesn't say, if you follow me, your parents will be so proud of you and everyone will love you. No, he says, if you follow me, your parents will hand you over to death, and everyone will hate you. That's what the gospel says. So he frees us from our petty fears by putting them into perspective. Well, and you might think, okay, how does that help? Now we're worse off than before. Like instead of small problems, I have big problems. But strangely, that's not what happens. Because we're better equipped to deal with real life, as hard as it is, than all the petty anxieties that are generated mostly by our false identity. We're like grizzly bears that are more capable of fighting off a pack of wolves than chasing off a, a swarm of flies. You know, when we're confronted with real life, we wake up, we come to. And for the real trials of life, the gospel offers better fitting promises. For sin, the cross. For death, resurrection. For loneliness, 
the infinite love of God. The gospel promises are addressed to our real issues, our big issues. So if we live our lives in our own selfish world, the gospel promises seem irrelevant to us. We know intuitively that if we're building our own little kingdom, God's blessing is not upon us because God's not a lucky charm. But he has big promises for the big problems. So this week, I want you to write down your three biggest fears. Now, I'm not talking about spiders and snakes and clowns, but like the things that really, that really upset you, the things that really rob you of your peace, that affect you on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, the fear of getting fired or the fear of your friends finding out that you're a Christian, the fear of disappointing your parents. And for each of those three fears, I want you to ask, what is the worst that could happen? Maybe you're worried about losing your health. Well, take stock of the fact that one day you will lose your health and you'll die. Or maybe you're afraid that your friends will think that you're a bigot because you're a Christian. Well, imagine what it would be not only to be misunderstood, but hated by all, as the gospel says. And I think what you'll realize is, with Christ, I could deal with it. I hope it doesn't happen, but with Christ, by his grace, I could deal with it. So the first step is to ask, what's the worst that could happen? The second step is to surrender the situation to Jesus. Now ask for his help because he promises his help. He warns of, of, of hardship, but he also promises strong protection. He says, I myself will give you the wisdom in speaking that your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. When I was in college, I let a year pass after my conversion before I was willing to call myself a Christian because I was terrified that somebody would call me out or they would ask a question that I couldn't answer and I would look like a fool. Well, I wish that I had read this gospel. I myself will give you wisdom in speaking that your enemies will not be able to refute. And, and even though he warns you will be hated by all, he immediately follows it with a promise, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. So the second step is to surrender this situation of fear to the Lord, to ask for his help. He promises his protection. And the third step is to direct your life to the kingdom of God. This is the deepest step. Jesus says that when we're led before judges, it will lead to our giving testimony. So the kingdom of God can advance through your hardships. And we see this in the whole history of the church. Just a few weeks ago, we were looking at the life of St. Paul, you recall how he wrote to the Philippians from prison in Rome, how his imprisonment had led to the advancement of the gospel because the whole Praetorian Guard came to hear the gospel. So even through our hardships, even through the twists and turns of persecution, of opposition, of difficulty, the gospel can advance. And so Jesus is, is saying to him, is saying to us, 
okay, name your fear, surrender it to me, and then say, Lord, I'm here to love you and to bring you glory. I'm here to love you and to bring you glory. And if that happens in prison, send me to prison. And if it happens in the White House, send me to the White House. I pray every day, Lord, if you need me to go and preach the gospel in Hawaii, here I am. I'm ready. I offer myself. And he hasn't taken me up on it yet, but I'm ready. In another place, Jesus tells his disciples, so do not worry and say, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's not that he's heedless of our needs. God is not insensitive to our worries, even to the smallest of them. The gospel says that every hair on your head is counted. But what he's saying is, seek first the kingdom. Let me take care of those things. Seek the kingdom and stop worrying. Stop. Trust those things to me and let me take care of you because I'm your father. But you seek the kingdom. Set your heart on the kingdom. Aim for the kingdom. And I'll take care of the rest. You know, if you choose to follow him, you'll experience him taking care of you down to the details of your life. A few years ago, I was on a mission in downtown Portland. It was a mission mostly to the, partly to the homeless community. And I was living at a homeless shelter right there in downtown Portland. And it was in a really, it was probably the roughest three square blocks of the city. You know, right outside the homeless shelter, all night long, people were using and selling drugs and there was a lot of violence and crime being committed right there around this building where I was staying. And I would park my car on the street right in front of the homeless shelter every night. And one of the back doors of my car didn't lock properly. So if you just tried it a couple of times, the door would, would come right open. And you know, the whole summer, although my car was parked there, right, like literally there are people doing drugs and selling drugs right around the car. No one ever touched it. I was a little bit offended, like, my car's kind of a piece of junk, but no one, like, I mean, the door's open, like, no one's even going to try the door, come on. But no one touched it all summer. I finished the mission, the next day I drove up to visit my parents in Seattle, I parked it outside in their nice neighborhood in Seattle, and that very first night, someone broke into my car. That very first night. And I took it as a sign. The Lord was saying to me, you follow me, and I'll take care of you. I don't think he was punishing me for going to visit my parents. I think he, he wanted me to go and visit them. But he was showing me that there's a special blessing for those who cho choose to serve him. Jesus wants to free us from our anxiety that's eating away at our happiness. He wants to first put things into perspective so that we can surrender our trials to him, the little and the big, and set us free to seek first his kingdom.